0: From Genesis to Revelation, the Bible makes it clear that our God has a zealous intent to bless us. Hello and welcome to the God's Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and I'm joined once again by my co-host, the Reverend Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church, Palmerston North New Zealand. And our very special guest joining us today from the States is Terry Smith, lead pastor of the Life Christian Church in West Orange, New Jersey. And he's here to talk with us about his new book from Chosen Books part of the baker publishing group in the states called the lord bless you a 28 day journey to experience god's extravagant blessings and this is a fascinating read and it's really a kind of biblical theology of blessing throughout scripture and wonderfully written terry hi welcome to the show
1: thank you so much brent and thanks for the kind words i appreciate someone who loves theology getting the fact that though It's called a devotional book. It actually is pretty theologically substantive.
0: It is. It really is. Now, how and in what ways does God want to bless us?
1: Well, I define blessing as to be in harmonious relationship with God who wants to do good in us, to us, and through us. And I think that that manifests itself in a lot of ways in our lives. You know, when I think about being in harmonious relationship with God, I I think about Having peace with God, and how that when we have peace with God, according to Romans 5, 1, 2, 3, in that area, that we experience the blessing of his grace and that we are happy because of the hope we have to share in his glory. So I think blessing starts with being in relationship with God in such a way that we experience shalom, everything in our life working the way God means for it to work, and that, and that we actually experience a true blessedness that can be also described and is translated often in Scripture as happiness.
0: How is the whole story of Scripture concerned with God's blessing and God's desire to restore humanity?
1: Well, the very first thing that happens in Genesis between God and people, and I, I should have noticed this a long time ago, but frankly, I, I, in all my years of study, I had never noticed until a recent study through Genesis that God's very first interaction with with humanity, Genesis chapter 128, is God blessed them. I mean, that's the very first thing that happens. And then, of course, because of their choices, they end up choosing not to live in that blessing, or at least that full blessing. And uh, then the rest of Scripture, and there are a number of scholars who will say this, is really about getting the blessing back. And you end up with the very last chapter of Scripture, Revelation 22, with us being restored or actually Eden being restored to this planet, a new heaven, a new earth, a garden city. And it says there's no more curse. And so all of Scripture, Genesis 128, all the way to Revelation 22, some 500 times, the concept of blessing is mentioned, and it is a huge theme of Scripture, if not as some say the theme of
0: scripture yes i'm going to bring ian in in just a second but we, we love we were talking before the or texting before the podcast and well ian you can talk you can ask terry about it because you commented that you love the way he described the fact that humanity fell ill in the garden do you want to pick up that theme
2: well you know of in your book you start by you know talking about when we sneeze you know everyone says bless you and it's common across the across all cultures you know kind of Doing that, which is an interesting, I didn't know that. It's such an interesting fact. But the way that you described you know, humanity falling ill, I think it's such a beautiful picture. Uh, and it really encapsulates in that kind of idea of you know, we're out of order, we're not in the the kind of the the way that we should be, and that, that's the way that we see the world, you know, kind of all around us right now. Yeah, you know, I don't I don't have a question, was what I was more of a statement. Sorry, Brent. Oh, kind of- no, <laughs> I'm just not like- it's a beautiful picture of you know kind of a helpful picture of the way that humanity is
1: well i appreciate you you picking up on that and commenting on it should i speak to that a little bit sure so just for your your audience you know i start this book by talking about how that at least in my part of the world anytime anybody sneezes someone says bless you and as ian mentioned every culture has a way of expressing some sort of blessing in response to a sneezer but in western civilization the way that this all got started according to the best we can understand is that a, a, a bubonic plague was spreading rapidly through europe pope gregory knew that one of the signs that people were falling ill was they sneezed and so he mandated dictated that anytime someone sneezed that those around them should say the Lord bless you, or God bless you, or bless you. In effect, offering a prayer for their health, that they would be saved from this plague. And so I talk about how that in Genesis 128, God said, bless you, even knowing that, that Adam and Eve were about to sneeze. They were about to be plagued by sin. They were about to experience sickness and a curse. But the heart of God was to bless them regardless and he hasn't changed his mind about what it is he wants to do.
0: Yeah. How is God's blessing described throughout the Old Testament? Because you go through and, and list some fabulous passages, don't you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, for one thing, you know, you get this this rhythm, especially in Genesis, where, you know, Genesis 128, God blessed them. Then there's sin and the curse, and then God starts everything over with Noah. And the first thing that happens with Noah, I think that's Genesis 9, if I remember right, it, it it basically is a repeat of the same words that were said to Adam in Genesis 128 and, and 129. I I where God blessed them and then purposed them. I, I God blessed them and he said, This is your purpose. And then, you know, he out of everybody in the world, he chooses Abraham and he says, You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna now I'm gonna bless the world through you. And he enters covenant with him and says, I'm gonna bless you, and I'm gonna bless the world through you. And then the same thing happens with Isaac with Jacob, uh, with Joseph, every time you turn around, there's this very clear language of God blessing these people that he enters into covenant with. And I think one of the most beautiful ways that blessing is described in all of Scripture is in Genesis chapter 24, when at the end of Abraham's life, it says, and Abraham was blessed in every way. So what does every way mean? I mean, every way means, I think, pretty much every imaginable way one could be blessed. Abraham was blessed. So he was blessed because he was in covenant with God. He was blessed in relationship to his wife, Sarah. He was blessed to have miracles happen to have children. He was blessed. I've never thought about this quite like this before, by the way. He was blessed materially. You know, he was blessed to have experience with angels. He was blessed. I mean, the guy was just, he was blessed in every way.
0: And this, in spite of Abraham being like us a complete failure in so many respects of his life yeah if he can do it so can we i suppose how does god bless joseph through suffering and trials in the book of genesis because this is an interesting thing
1: well i have a have a chapter in the first section of the book called prosperity redefined because when one starts talking about blessing it's hard to avoid the subject of 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 prosperity and and so I, I try to define what prosperity is biblically, which is, again, it's kind of a blessed in every way thing. Uh, it certainly, there are times in scripture when it includes uh, material wealth, uh, but there are other times when uh, you don't necessarily see that. You see something more like Jesus talked about when he talked about true riches, something better than material wealth. But as it concerns Joseph, it's interesting that Joseph has this dream. He's, so so let, me, let me back up and say, both in Old and New Testament, when you look at the etymology of the word prosper or to prosper, it has to do with the provision that is made for one's journey. And, I mean, you don't have to search hard to find that. You just look at, you know, Vine's expository dictionary of biblical words. It's, it's, you know, it hits you right in the face. It has to do with the provision God makes on your journey. So I like to talk about prosperity being God giving us what we need and more on the journey to our destiny. And Joseph is a beautiful case study of this. You know, he has this dream, but he then suffers tremendously for his dream. Part of it is, uh, you know, he's in Potiphar's house as a slave. And, um, but scripture said that he prospered as a slave in Potiphar's house. And then things go from bad to worse. He's in prison. And what happens in prison? Scripture said that he prospered even while he was in prison. So he, he, Joseph didn't just prosper when he was the second most powerful man in the world. Joseph prospered when he was enslaved. He prospered when he was imprisoned, and he prospered when he was second in charge of Pharaoh and literally saving uh, the world from famine.
0: Ian, questions for Terry.
2: Why are we so, why, why have we been so kind of, you know, the word blessing, you know, kind of when we hear it, we often kind of shrink back and think, oh, we can't talk about that. Why do you think that's the case? And how do we, how do we reclaim it as a kind of it's a biblical idea. It's such an important idea for us as as Christians. How do we reclaim it and kind of do it in a way that's helpful? Well, I would say
1: that I would answer that two ways. And you know, this is one man's opinion. I think for one thing, the there has been this popularized notion of what prosperity is that has taken taken something beautiful to an extreme that is toxic, and we, we're all aware of that kind of thing. So I think those of us who, who are not, I hesitate to use labels, who, who are not extreme in our thinking about that particular subject are afraid to talk about it for fear of being labeled uh, in a way that, that would challenge our biblical orthodoxy. So I think kind of in a big picture, that's one reason we're afraid to talk about it. but I, I think individuals are aff- I think individuals have a hard time imagining themselves as blessable. And um, I think that this is why it's so important to connect blessing to grace. It's really about God's heart. It's really about what God wants to do. It, it, if if it was up to us earning it, well, then none of us would have it, right? Like you said about Abraham, he, he was he was a human being just like we are. He screwed up a lot. Uh, that God didn't bless him because he was perfect. God blessed him because, I mean, in, in all the simplicity, God wanted to. This is what grace is, right? Grace is about God's desire to do something. And when God has a desire to do something, we connect to that thing by exercising faith, right? We believe that he really does want to do that. And when we believe that he really does want to do that, well, then all of a sudden, you know, we we access the desire of God, and this becomes grace in our lives. So I think a lot of people just, they don't see themselves as blessed.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. How are we restored then to our God-given purpose?
1: So the Genesis 128 thing is God blessed them, and then immediately God purposed them. He essentially said, I, you know, I want you to now multiply the God image throughout the planet. I want you to spread what you haven't eaten everywhere. I want in partnership with me for you to govern this planet. God blessed them, and then he said, this is what I made you for. This is what I want you to do. And so I believe that blessing is inextricably connected to purpose. Blessing isn't about us just uh, you know, sitting around and receiving nice things in our lives blessing is found when we partner with God to do what God made us to do. And I see that on a cosmic level. On one hand, we were kind of all made to do the same thing, right? We were made to worship God and to join with Him, partner with Him in His work in this world. But then within that, each of us have a specific, what I call, area of destiny. They have a a place made for them, something that God made their life to be about. And I think that that the sweet spot of blessing is when we're living in that reality where we're doing what we were made to do in partnership with God and um, hopefully, you know, both struggling, you know, in that process and finding great joy in doing God's work.
0: You write a lot in the book, as I remember, about uh, the journey with God being an adventure. I I love the way you talk about adventure and journey. How how does life become an adventure for us when we're, Obeying God.
1: Well, I love that famous Tolkien reference. Not that you guys in New Zealand would know anything about Lord of the Rings.
0: Nothing at all. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Where Gandalf shows up at Bilbo's door and says, I'm inviting you to an adventure. And Bilbo says, you know, we don't want any of, of those here. They they make you <laughs> late. They make you late for dinner. I I see God in... in his own way in each of our lives, knocking on the door of our hearts and say, saying, I'm inviting you to an adventure that he's calling us to get involved with what he's doing in the world. And when we get involved with what God's doing in this world, we're involved in the most important project in human history. And when we're on the front lines of that, there's immense adventure.
0: Someone listening to this may be saying, okay, um, I want to take a risk in my walk with God. How would you how would you respond to, to that? How would how do we take risks in our journeys with God? Boy,
1: that's a that's an interesting subject. I wish I could remember exactly what I wrote about <laughs> that. I, I hope it was good.
0: It was. It was.
1: I, I have I have a theory. Well, it's not unique to me, um, that that God allows us to risk. In other words, when we exercise our faith, even in partnership with him, that there is a certain risk involved because of the fact that that we engage our will, we're not assured of outcomes. Now we're assured of an ultimate outcome, you know, eternal life in the age to come and being and doing forever what God made people to be and do. But, you know, I, I love that, that famous story of the, of the, three guys being given varying amounts of money. Jesus told the story and, you know, and two of them risked, they risked the money essentially in the marketplace and the risk paid off and they were rewarded a commiserate to their risk and success in their risk. And then that poor guy who hid it under the bed, you know, he, he, he was cautious and did not improve what he had and he is punished for it. In fact, then, this fascinating passage, I think this is actually repeated six times in the Gospels, if I remember right. I happened to preach about this recently. Jesus then says, To him who has will be given more, and to him who has not will be taken away. In other words, the guy who risked and made more of it is given more, and the guy who didn't take any risk and didn't make any more of it Loses what he's been given. I mean, it's a pretty big idea.
0: Mm, yes, and very sobering idea, really, isn't it? How do we pass blessing, or can we pass blessing from generation to generation?
1: Well, we see a whole lot of examples of that happening in scripture, particularly, you know, in the time of the patriarchs. There are these beautiful scenes where, uh, for instance, Isaac. Lays hands on his son Jacob, even though Jacob was being deceptive in that moment. It doesn't take away from Isaac's part in it. He lays his hands on on Jacob and he prays this incredibly beautiful prayer over him. And you see that kind of thing repeated. And you also see Esau, who's a big tough guy, married man, you know, intimidating figure, weeping because he didn't receive that blessing from his father. And there are common things that happen when this kind of blessing is given the laying on of hands when Jesus blessed children by the way in the New Testament he he took them in his in his arms he touched them which you know brings to mind the Hebrews 6 the ministry of the laying on of hands and then there are always words spoken over a person that that describes how they are valued that speaks to some specific thing perhaps that they have done that has brought value to you, that speaks something positive about their future, that declares on the part of the person doing the blessing that they'll get involved in helping that preferred future come to pass. So those are some of the things that happen in a more formal manner of passing blessing from one person to another.
0: Ian, responses, questions for Terry?
1: Let's go, Ian.
0: No, I think I think it's such a helpful book because it
2: kind of – it re-centers what what blessing is, and in, in terms of you know, it's pursuit of God, right? And, you know, the blessing is God Himself, you know, and, and our and our and our relationship with Him ultimately, and the you know, and it's and the, the problem with us as humans is that we seek the fruit of that without the relationship, uh, you know, with with God. I mean, we we seek the wealth, we seek the the joy and the happiness without actually having a relationship with Him. Just commenting on that. The Tolkien reference. I I just recently finished reading The Hobbit to my boys again, and it's such a beautiful. I think it he beautifully expresses the idea of adventure and kind of that you know this is who we are made as as human beings. That comfort comfort isn't what you know we're made for, and that kind of the that's what uh, Bilbo has to get out of is the kind of his comfort. He has to leave that behind uh, to become a better you know, kind of creature in the world. And that's what God is inviting us into, isn't it? And that, that's part of the blessing. The fruit of the blessing is come for an adventure with me. Come, you know, in this relationship with me, come and enjoy that. And it's going to be scary at times, but it also, it'll be extremely fruitful as you grow and, you know, become more like God in that.
1: Yeah, I think that's well said. I respond to a couple of things that you said, Ian, if that's okay. Is that okay with you guys? So- yeah, yeah. First of all, I've been thinking actually today that there are a number of churches. That this uh, so there are a number of churches in January of whatever next year is twenty twenty three who are doing their a, a four or five week series called "The Lord Bless You" based on my book Twenty Eight Days of Blessing. And I'm actually writing sermons for these churches that they're going to be preaching, and then their their parishioners are going to be reading through the book in twenty eight days, as it really is meant to to be read. And uh, I was working on one of those sermons today and I was thinking in relationship to what, what Ian just said, it's like there is the blessing and then there are blessings. There is a state of being called blessed. And then there's everything that comes from that. And the blessing or the state of being called blessed that comes through having peace with God. It's our relationship with God. But then there are all these other things that flow from that state of being, and um, and one of those is this idea that we get to go on an adventure, and it's important to note being in relationship with God ultimately gets fulfilled in being part in partnership with God in his work, which I say is an adventure. You know, it's like people talk about David being a man after God's own heart. And they the, the, the way that they I typically hear people talk about that is it's all about worship. And I'm all for worship. I love worship. I mean, I I hope I have a heart for God in that way. But when when the passage in Acts 13, I believe, talks about David being a man after God's own heart, it then goes on to say and he will carry out my program fully. He's not just a worshipper, he's a warrior. He's a He's a ruler. He's a make it happen, kind of go after Goliath or whoever needs to be gone after kind of a guy. So, and even all the way back in the Genesis account, um, everybody talks about how that we were made for worship. Well, when you study the Genesis account, that is intimated. We can infer that from Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the day with God and having relationship. But really, the headline is God saying, this is what I made you to do. And so I think it's just really important that we understand that the depth of relationship ultimately gets expressed in us actually getting involved in what God's doing and carrying out his program, you know, the adventure.
0: Mm. Final question, Terry. We're fast running out of time. How in life should we look to both the beginning and the end, because you write about this in the book, looking to the beginning and the end of life. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, you know, I'm, I'm actually a leadership guy. I have a master's uh, of organizational leadership. So I think, you know, in, in leadership terms, when I think about life a lot of times, and, you know, leaders always say that you need to begin with the end in mind, right? You, you, you look at the outcome that you're aiming for, And then you work your way back to where you say, well, what what should I then be doing today? What should I be doing this week, this month, this quarter, this year to get to the end? Well, I like to say that you should begin with the end in mind, but you also should begin with the beginning in mind. I think that the way we properly locate ourselves in life, how we should be thinking about life, how we should be acting, what should we be doing, is found in the Genesis narrative. You know, everything in scripture, everything in human history is a response to what happens in the first three chapters of Genesis. And if you want to have an idea of what life should look like, you have to look at Adam and Eve before the curse. You have to look at Eden. You have to look at the relationship they had with God. You had to look you have to look at Adam working and caring about what God worked and cared cared about. And 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 know that in the end, that's what life's going to be like. God has not changed his mind. Eternity is not going to be different than, than what we see in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, except that it's not just a garden, it's a garden city, I think maybe because there are going to be so many of us. So, you know, that's, life is about what, what happened in the beginning, and life is about how that beginning is going to be manifest in the end, and we've got to locate our lives every day with that in mind.
0: And live in light of the big story, God's big story, really, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I heard of, somebody had a podcast called something like that, God's Story.
0: Or... That's us, brother. <laughs> I think that's I us. Know. It's probably other people as well. Uh, <laughs> it's not a very original title, but we it's like
1: it. It's a great name. I love it.
0: How much time have we got left? What Time for one more question about story, actually. I wanted to ask you this, if I can find it here. Yeah. In what ways do we live our lives out of the stories we know? do you think? What ways do we live our lives out of the stories we know?
1: Well, we all, we all have a, a story in our mind as to how the world came to be the way it is, what our purpose here is, who God is or isn't. And um, there are a lot of people that talk about scripture in terms of a story. And obviously, that must be very important to you guys. Because, in fact, that's what it is. It's the story of God. Uh, it's not, you know, it's like the, the Genesis narrative isn't meant to be a science manual. It's, you know, it's not, it's not su- supposed to be telling us where and when and how. It's telling us who and what, right? It's a story. It's, it's, a, it's God telling us what he wants to tell us about himself so that we can live out of that story. So um, it's important that we tell ourselves the right story about God, who, who he is, what his purposes are, and how we fit in.
0: And our stories, I suppose, and God's journey flow out of that, don't they, and become part of God's story in some way. Wonderful stuff. Thank you, Terry. Terry Smith, lead pastor of the Life Christian Church in West Orange, New Jersey. His new book from Chosen Books, part of the Baker Publishing Group in the States, is called The Lord Bless You, a 28-day journey to experience God's extravagant blessings. Terry, bless you. And uh, Ian, bless you, brother, my co-host Ian Reid of King's Grace Presbyterian Church. Gentlemen, thank you both. And blessings and thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge who sponsor this podcast and who take care of things behind the scenes. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Bless you.
0: We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast. If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one, you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.